Blog Talk Radio. W-I-J-S-F dot com. Women in Jazz South Florida, Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at WIJSF.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your host, Diva JC.
Well, good morning. You know, this is odd for the diva to be up at 11 o'clock in the morning with a radio show. We usually do it at 4 in the afternoon. But I have a very special guest today, a new member of Women in Jazz South Florida and the founder of Women in Jazz Media in the U.K., Fiona Ross. So I'm bringing her in right now. Hi, Fiona. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. You did a great, great interview with me, and so many people have listened to it. And I think they learned a thing or two about the diva. <laughs> I, I so I loved talking to you. It was so wonderful to have you as a guest. I need to shout about that and share that even more. I think it was. Oh, we had so much fun, didn't we? <laughs> we did. And I wish we could get together in person. You know, I was supposed to come to Wales, but COVID kind of put a stop on that. It, did you ever talk to Jen Wilson at Documenting Jazz? And I've, I've emailed her, and in fact, I've got um, Isabel, who's in the Women in Jazz Media team. She, funnily enough, lives in Wales, so she's actually going to go to the conference. Um, so oh. hopefully I will connect a little bit more with Jen. But, yeah, she's going to that fabulous conference, so that should be great. And what is her name? Isabel Marquez. Okay. Well, that's terrific. That's terrific. I love it when we come together and, you know, expand our circle. So I want to jump right in to this interview with you. And even though it's written on the show page, I want you to tell us how did you come to music as a child? Well, oh gosh, I could talk, I should try and keep it quite short because I could talk for ages about this. I, I think really the simple answer is I had one of those crazy kind of stage mums. Um, so it, I've, I've been doing this uh, for literally as long as I remember. And my, my mum would famously say that my first professional job was when I was two. And I, and I had a, a, a very specific look because I, I'm naturally ginger. Uh, and I had, you know, as I got older, I had loads of kind of big curly hair. So that kind of ginger head kid with freckles. Um, I did loads of uh, kind of adverts and magazine shoots uh, and, um, and kind of got it into, into it that way. Um, so my mum would send me off to auditions for everything that you could think of. Um, but I was mainly trained for theatre work, and that was where it all started. So I had quite an extensive career if you like before before I was a grown-up um, and music was always part of that um, although I was trained in dance and drama and music was a, a key element of that and singing and my, my mother would always say that um, I started singing before I was talking so she used to say that you know when I was singing it made it made sense when I was little whereas when I was talking it made no sense at all <laughs> So uh, yeah, I've 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 literally done this since I was since I was tiny, really. Okay. Now, did you go and study music? 
I did, yes. So um, I started having piano lessons when I was six. So I was classically trained as a pianist. So I, I kind of did all of that classical element. And then as I got older, I had vocal lessons as well. And then when I was 11, I went to stage school. Um, so like a theatre school, like a performing arts school. Um, and I did all of my graded exams on piano and on music theory uh, and vocals. Um, and then various different kind of qualifications after that. But I tell you what I didn't do is I didn't train in jazz. So I'm a classically trained musician. Um, but everything I know about jazz is just what I've learned and picked up along the way. And I'm still continuing to do so. Um, I'm, I consider myself a, a real baby in jazz in many ways. And so how many songs have you written? Well, it's funny you should ask that because I'm, I'm just working on my seventh album right now. Um, and I, I've recorded nine tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've just, um, uh, I've recorded nine tracks so far and I'm just working out with, you know, how many more songs I need to record. Uh, and I thought, well, let me just add up how many songs have I written so far? Uh, and it's um, 85 I've written so far. Because I was thinking my next album, if I was to do another 15 for my next album, then that would be 100. So I was thinking, not, not this album I'm working on now, but perhaps the next one, I need to do something special because it would, it would make it 100 songs. But yes, at the moment, it's 85 songs that I've written. Now, are they published? What, how do you publish your music? Yeah, so this is all through my album. So um, I, I own everything to do with my uh, my work. Um, so I publish my own music. Uh, I own the rights um, uh, when I release the album, so the, the mechanical rights as well as the uh, performance and publishing rights. Um, so, yeah, so I've got, yeah, seven or well, six albums I've released, and then this seventh one uh, will take me to 85 songs. But, yes, they're all, they're all my songs. I'm, I'm always quite particular about the business side of things. Um, to make sure that I have ownership over all of my work. And what is it? What is it? SASM, CSAC. What What is the um, you know the royalty collection in London? Oh, well, in the U in the UK we use what's called the PRS, which is the Performing Rights Society. Um, so yeah, PRS is the is the UK equivalent. What it, say it again. It's PRS, so Performing Rights Society. Uh, that's the, the, the main one in P for Penelope, R for, um, oh, I don't know what R. R for, <laughs> I'm going to say rubbish, but nothing's rubbish. Yeah, PRS, <laughs> PRS, Performing Rights Society. Right, right. Okay. Now, you have a publishing company. What is your what is the name of your publishing company? Well, when I first released my album, uh, I set up a company called Therapy Records, um, and that's a limited company um, that I uh, own and run and the director of that is is just specifically to house my own music, so I don't kind of you know, release or, or kind of work with anyone else through that. Um, but uh, yeah, Therapy Records, it's called. Okay, that's beautiful. So. Now, uh, how do you distribute your music? Um, well, I use a company, and I have to say I review this with each album. 
um, because one album, I, I've used a few different uh, distributors. Um, my last album, last few albums, I actually just went through CD Baby um, because I found you, know, you pay a one-off fee uh, and then they distribute it on, on all of the major platforms and it's kind of short, sweet and quite easy. Um, I did have what you would define as a slightly more major distributor for one of my albums. I'm sorry, I think it was Black, White, A Little Bit of Grey. Um, but from what I could see, it didn't make much difference um, in the work that they were doing compared to work that I would be doing. So it's something I have to say I, I explore with each album to see if I can do better, uh, get a better deal out there or see if someone can kind of spread my music a bit wider. Um, but yes, the last few albums I've just used CD Baby. Oh, okay. Uh, CD Baby, though, I understand, is not doing uh, what they used to do. So now you perform, uh, and you perform in jazz clubs in the UK? I do, yes. Well, talk to us about some of the places that you perform. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, at the moment, I've got, <laughs> I've got my next, um, I'm quite excited because, and, and you know this, and, and I think we've talked about this before, it's so hard to fit everything in, and I'm finding it increasingly harder with um, women in jazz media work and journalism and all the other things. So I, I've not been able to... Uh, um, kind of book as many gigs as I would have liked so it, it does make it very exciting when I've got some coming up so I've got two coming up so we've got in November we have what's called the London Jazz Festival uh, which is a brilliant uh, kind of two-week period of time in London um, where there's jazz everywhere from kind of the big fancy venues to the small kind of jazz clubs and the wine bars or even just restaurants or yeah everywhere yeah so two weeks is, is uh, full of jazz so I'm, um, I have a gig at a place called Jazz Cafe Posk, which I've not performed at before, actually. So it's my debut at that jazz club um, in November. And then a little while after that, um, there's a gorgeous uh, club called the uh, Hampstead Jazz Club. And what's lovely about this venue is it's only, it's very tiny, um, kind of that very typical jazz club feel. I mean, gorgeous. Um, but it's just, I'm just doing a trio um, because the stage area, and this is not a criticism because I kind of loved it, is tiny. And in fact, when I turned up, I gigged there a few months ago, and I had my um, my bassist, Derek Daly, and he plays electric bass as well as double bass. And the ceilings are really low, and, and now I'm very short. I mean, I wear heels a lot of the time, but I'm actually very short. So I didn't really think much of the fact that the ceilings were quite low. Um, but then I suddenly thought, oh, Derek, Derek's got his big double bass. I'm not sure that's going to fit in. Um, and there's actually a hole in the ceiling. So on the stage area, there's literally a hole in the ceiling where um, when Derek came in, he had to kind of put the top of, uh, top of his base in this hole in the ceiling. So it was, it was hysterical, but quite wonderful. It worked beautifully. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've got two gigs. I've got one with my full band as part of the London Jazz Festival. And then I've got a lovely acoustic gig which is um, on this occasion just with my guitarist, Jubi Bettini, uh, and saxophonist, Lauren Hignall. So, yes, I can't wait. I love performing. And do you still do plays? Because I noticed you do plays. Uh, my theatre work, I know, sadly, I, I don't see my theatre work anymore. I haven't done any of that for many years, and I do miss it. And, and I have to say, whenever I go back to the theatre to see anything, um, I get quite emotional 
um, because I, I do miss it. Um, but my career took a different direction uh, when I moved more into jazz and music. Um, but no, I don't do a theatre. I went to see, it was absolutely incredible, and this would, this would be a whole other conversation. There's this amazing production of To Kill a Mockingbird that's in the West End at the moment. Uh, and I went to see that, and oh my goodness, I, 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 you know, I could talk about that for ages. It was just phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I was, I was in tears most of the production and coming home. So yeah, I get very emotional at the theatre, but I, don't, I sadly don't do that anymore. Okay. Well, listen, I want to play for my dad. So we'll be back in about four minutes. Okay? Thank you. Okay.
that just touched my heart because I miss my dad so much. He passed away in oh, 2018. No, oh, thank you. I, I have to say, it's the same for me listening to that. I I um I uh, find it very hard to perform that song. Uh, I mean, it's um uh, people seem to love that song and, and which is wonderful. But yeah, it, it's very hard for me to perform that, and I never listen to it. And so when I recorded it, I recorded it, and then I I don't actually listen to it. Um, so it's the first time I've listened to it in quite some time actually. But yes, for my dad. For all of us who have lost our dad, mm-hmm. my dad was my biggest yeah. supporter, you know. And I could talk about my dad for the rest of the hour, <laughs> but I won't. So, you know, tell me when and why you founded Women in Jazz Media. Um, okay, it's um, it, it's one of those things, and I, and I, I do, I, I talk about this quite a bit now because I'm, I'm sure people think that initially there was more thought behind it, but it, it was really simple. It was a time, in fact, our, it's our anniversary, end of November. It'll be two years ending the end of November, but there was a day, um, uh, and I, I was looking at um, a jazz publication, quite a well-known jazz publication, um, and, I, and I found this page that had all of the writers. And quite often when you're looking through publications, it's, it's hard to see who the writers are, who, t- who takes the photos, all that behind-the-scenes info. You sometimes have to plow through it to actually find, find out who the writers, etc., were. And I found this page, and it, and it had all the writers, and I was really excited. Cause I was like, oh, fantastic, they're celebrating the writers. Um, and they had photos as well. Um, and I can't, there was 52 writers in this publication, and, and I was genuinely really excited about this. But then very quickly, as I was looking through these uh, lovely 52 images of the writers, I'm like, where are the women? There's, I could, I, there was two women, um, and also everyone was white. So in that moment of, oh, fantastic, they're celebrating the writers, um, I, there was also that moment of, and again, you know, um, there's issues here. Where, where is the balance? Where's the diversity? Um, and I thought, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to start a Facebook page. Um, you know, where are, the, where are the female writers? Where are the women out there? Um, and I, I literally just... At that moment, thought I'm just going to start a Facebook group and try to connect with people. Uh, and I thought, well, there's lots of fantastic groups, absolutely like yours, that have um, women in jazz in the title. Um, so I thought, okay, well, I don't know for women in jazz with media. It's kind of the behind the scenes. So I just thought, okay, women in jazz media. So I set up this Facebook page, and then literally the next day, um, I got a direct message on that page from a fantastic writer who is now actually part of our team called Chung Wei. Uh, and she writes uh, all about jazz uh, in, in China. Uh, and she messaged me and she said, oh, my goodness, I've been looking for something like this for years. I've been writing about jazz for eight years. I think I'm the only woman in China who does that. And I was like, that's ridiculous. That's, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Um, and then not long after that, I had a similar message again on, on this Facebook page from a, a writer who, again, actually is, is now part of our team in Spain. Uh, and she sent me this message, you know, in her opinion, women are not valued uh, mm-hmm. in Spain, especially in jazz, and that, you know, she finds it very, very hard to work out there. So I, I basically thought, okay, I can't just have a Facebook group. This needs to be more 
Um, so to cut a very long story short, I kind of came up with a mission statement, thought about what it is I wanted to achieve, um, got an incredible team of women, uh, and it's kind of uh, exploded from that point. So that was probably a long answer. I tried to keep it short. Yeah. So how many people are represented on your site? I mean, do you keep an account? Is there a membership? What? Um, yeah, so it works a little bit uh, differently um, to your amazing uh, organization. So we have um, the, the team itself. There are 23 of us in the team. Uh, and what that means is each member of the team uh, helps out with a project or supports the project or has an active role in the work that we're doing. So, for example, out of the 23 team, uh, women in the team, um, there's an amount of those are writers. So their role, they will write for our magazine, they will write in our uh, different columns that we have um, in different publications. Um, but then we also have musicians. So for example, Hannah Horton, who is this amazing saxophonist, composer and more, she runs um, our In Conversation With podcast. So we have all these incredible women who kind of are involved or lead or uh, take on all the different projects that we work on. And then outside of that, it's just that every every woman in the world that you know, we try and support is kind of part of our um, open community, but it, it's not a membership thing at all. Uh, we try and support as many as we can. Okay, so I'm going to suggest that you be active on our Facebook page, Music Woman Magazine, okay, because this year... We are not going to be able to print uh, for 2023, mainly because of finances. It costs a lot of money to produce our annual magazine. So I'm going to float it for this year, but I would love to have your input on that page. And it doesn't mean that you have to write a lot. You just post Everything that you post on uh, Facebook, you also post it there. Okay? Uh, yeah, I would love to. And I say, now, now that I've joined you, I need to kind of get involved more and have a look at all the incredible work that you do. Because, yes, I would absolutely love to. And, and fun, yeah, money's a problem. And I know we've talked about this before because I, I have the same issue with women in jazz media that we need to try and get some funding because everything's so expensive to do uh, and in fact that's why our magazine we only do it online because you know we don't have the money to do a print copy um, but every time we release one everyone says oh we could do a print one it would be wonderful um, and, and one day I think when we get some funding I'd love to do a print one um, but yes I would like, love to be involved in your page as much as possible I, I'm, I'm on it I promise yes and there's also Music Woman Radio and Women in Jazz, South Florida. So, you know, feel free to post. And also, be sure to send me your gig announcements by the 28th of each month so that I can put it in our newsletter. And on the last Sunday of each month at noon, our time, Eastern time, we have a composer's Zoom and you can come in there and meet your fellow members and feature them, you know. 
Uh, yeah, I would absolutely love to, and I, I need to. I need to get on it and be more active. And I know that. And um, that I, I don't think it was last month, the month before. Um, Wendy, Wendy Kirkland, she attended um, your composer's Zoom. She said it was brilliant. Uh, so yes, I'm very, very keen to get involved and and as you say, meet the rest of the community because we're all, I yeah, you know, we're all in this together, as far as I'm concerned. So what you do is is incredible, kind of getting everyone together and supporting people. And and thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for joining us. That is the benefit of our membership. You know that now, first of all, you become mine. You're like my little duckling. Okay. <laughs> but I'm really happy to be yours. Take me. <laughs> and because, now Sandra Booker is a friend of mine on Facebook. She hasn't become a member, but we converse a lot. But um, I do want to say that it is so important for us to join hands. Because you have a large number. I have 411. And if we begin to make some noise in the world about the marginalization of women musicians, particularly when it comes to finance, you know, gigging is good. I gigged all over the world, five continents. But that's an individual activity. When we begin to come as a group and we're all saying the same thing, we are not benefiting from the $20 billion music industry. We should not be without funds, you know. So we have to work together to make those funds come to us. So I want to play your song, You Are Like Poison. <laughs> That's funny. So I'm playing this <laughs> from Spotify. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> Thank you. Patricia Atkins Keaty Foundation. But she passed on 
after 38 years of running this organization. And she went to the European Parliament about this problem of women not being monetized in the music industry. So what do you think that we could do? What, what runs across your mind? Oh gosh, yeah, and I, I know we we talked about a little little bit about this in our um, in our chat, didn't we? Because I mean, it's a big issue. I mean, and, and to be fair, um, you know, I think getting paid for our music, irrelevant of who we are uh, with streaming and so on, is a massive issue uh, for everybody. Um, uh, and and I wish I had the perfect solution. But some of the things that you were saying. Um, I think we need to move forward. And I think if there's enough women that get together and actually take action about this, then surely we can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Now, what about grants? Do you, do, are there grants in the UK that you can go after? Are you a nonprofit? Um, yeah, we're we're a non-profit, and and funding, and, and this is my challenge at the moment, um, is extremely hard to come by, uh, and it's and it's hard to come by in particular for women actually. Um, and I was talking, there's a, an incredible um, bassist and composer called um, uh, Annie, who uh, um, we just did a performance with, and she's um, I think she's 24, 23, 24, and I was having this conversation with her about kind of funding and money and how she's going to kind of uh, continue because she's just getting her career uh, started. And in the UK, there's actually quite a few places that you can go to apply for women uh, for funding that is specific to women, but specific to women in a certain age group. So if you're under 25, there's some amazing organisations that are really supportive of developing young women. So that's brilliant. Uh, and there's lots of those out there. Um, the issue is, if you're over 25, um, there is no um, special funding for women over the age of 25, um, and it is a big problem. We have what we call the Arts Council, um, which has a, a huge pot of money, uh, and pretty much everybody I know um, submits to get some money from this. Um, and, and I don't think, I think some of it's potluck, um, to see if you get it. Um, I, I will keep applying, and I'm sure one day you know, we will get some funding for it. Um, but it's, it's really hard. It's time-consuming. The paperwork that you have to fill in um, is, is, is time-consuming. Uh, it's not complicated if, if you're used to applying for funding, but if, if you're new and you've never applied for funding before, then it can feel quite daunting. Um, but no, funding is a problem, but it's my mission to get some funding because we need some money to continue the work that we're doing. Otherwise, we won't be able to do all of it. So funding is a problem and it is hard. Yeah, and a lot of the corporate sponsors, they don't think that women musicians is a cause, you know, but it is a cause because, because of the huge amount of money that is made in the world from music, but only 15.15% comes to women. A lot of the festivals that are funded by public dollars are 80, 
90% male, you know, so we have to really, as leaders of a women in jazz organization, we need to talk about this. We need to plan how we are going to attack this problem. And so I don't talk to my other guests about this because they're not leaders of an organization, but you and I are. And I think that you and I are going to have to join our hands across the pond, get together with a couple of other women that I know, and really pound on this problem. Yeah, no, absolutely, and 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 I think what I I find interesting, and a lot of the time this is part of my work, is is about different mindsets, and I think, and I am generalising here, but when people think about what they would define as you know the women issue, that the lack of women, and I don't think they really realise what that actually means, like the depth of that problem, and as you say, the economy, you know, if you think about the amount of money that music across the world uh, actually brings in, it's huge. But has anyone yeah. actually looked at that and said, yeah, but let, let's break that down. Let, you know, let's look at this data and work out, you know, where is the diversity? Where is the gender balance? You know, where does this money go to? Because I think that kind of women issue, if you like, and this is not my term, um, you know, if we look at, I don't know, festival lineups and some people think, oh, yeah, we need a few more women there. It's like this, this is not, you know, the depth of the issue needs to be explored more. Um, and the economy is one of those areas, as you say, it's like, yeah, but look at all the money <laughs> that is made. Where is that going? So when we, we look at the fact that there's not that many recognized uh, women composers, that therefore has an impact on other things. It's not just about, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have more women? It's like, well, actually, there are women out there, but they're not getting um, their dues in many ways, whether that's financially or, or kind of promotionally. So, yeah, there's so much to explore here, but I'm all about changing people's mindsets. I think sometimes releasing data, exploring the facts. So this is not just a group of women, for example, complaining about the fact that, you know, we're not that out there as much as we should do. This is not what it's about at all. You know, it should be a fair, equal and balanced playing field, and it's not. And there is so much evidence from all different angles um, to explore there and prove the facts. So absolutely, let's do something, Joan. I'm, I'm there. I'm with you. I'm ready. Absolutely. Now, I want to go back to the music because, you know, I sang at the 606 Club. I sang at Bull's Head Barn. <laughs> and I sang at the... Happy, that's amazing. Yes, at the Jazz Inn. The, I think it's called the Jazz Inn a long time ago long time ago, but it's phenomenal. Now, where did, did you ever come to the United States? I've not performed in the United States. I used to come to the States um, when I was growing up. I used to spend, this sounds very fancy, I used to spend my summers in the United States. So my, my parents would travel all over the world uh, and they basically dumped me with my aunt um, uh, in the summer for the whole of the kind of six, eight week summer period. Um, so I, I've been to, I used to go to states all the time as a child, uh, but I have never performed over there actually. So no, that's, that's on my list of things to do. And where were you? 
Um, in the well, initially I was in Illinois, uh, and then um, Florida. So my aunt, so my my father was one of them, um, like fifteen, um, and uh, one of his favourite sisters. She married uh, an Austrian uh, and moved to Chicago, and then moved to Florida. So they retired to Florida. Um, so I used to go, and it was a uh, what was it called, Indian Rocks Beach. I think Indian Rocks Beach, something like that. Um, oh. I used to go and spend all my summers there. Okay. All right. Now, how can people find you online? Um, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm on all normal social media. I think my website is just fionaross.co.uk. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter and um, Facebook and so on. But the easiest thing, if you just type in Fiona Ross Jazz on Google, then I come up on the first uh, few pages so, yes, Fiona Roth Jazz, if you type that in anywhere, you should be able to find me. And it's womeninjazzmedia.com, right? Yeah, we, yeah, Women in Jazz Media, again, we're on all different platforms. So we're on Instagram and Twitter uh, and Facebook. And our website is just uh, womeninjazzmedia.com. Excellent. Uh, excellent. Now, I am going to interview... Uh, Wendy on the 21st. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Yes. Wendy's wonderful. Yes. And she was, it was so great that she came in and met us, you know. Yes. Uh, so what would you, oh, uh-oh. I'm going to play another piece of music by um, by Fiona because the, her call just dropped. So I'm going to play You Can't Feel My Groove. You don't know my mood, you don't know my mood. 
Fiona is a terrific songwriter. I just love everything that she's written. Save money on your energy and bills this fall. You can go to Spotify and put in Fiona Ross and listen to her music. She's working on her seventh CD, and I just love the work that she has been doing with women in jazz media. So be sure to go and look at that website. My books are featured there. And there are a lot of women musicians who are featured. Their writing is featured, articles, books that they have written. Uh, I'm going to just keep playing Fiona's music because she's got some beautiful So this is Take Time to Breathe, hashtag Sunday Morning. Replace your windows with energy-efficient, reliable windows and doors exclusively at Lowe's. The new Black Exterior Series 150 window offers exceptional efficiency and durability. Well, that's a commercial on Spotify that we will not be playing here. As soon as the song comes up, I'll start it again. In the meantime, join Women in Jazz South Florida at wijsf.org. Just hit membership. 
and you will be a, a supporter of our mission to promote women musicians globally. You do not have to be a member. I'm sorry, you don't have to be a musician <laughs> to be a member of Women in Jazz South Florida. You just have to have the will to support women musicians. And we welcome your membership. You get a monthly newsletter. You get information about where our members are performing and how to get in touch with a lot of them. Here we go. Thank you. 
lovely and I love her and I encourage you to go and listen to more music by Fiona Ross. So that's our show for today. Join us again on October the 21st for Wendy Kirkland who is also a member of Fiona Ross's organization, Women in Jazz Media. This is Dr. Joan Cartwright, Dr. Diva JC with Women in Jazz South Florida. Take care. WIJSF.com, Women in Jazz South Florida, Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances,